0: i uh-huh.
1: Tome to Other Machine podcast. For our second edition, we sit down and talk to Keith Rankin, otherwise known as Giant Claw, and co owner of Orange Milk Records. Keith was in town from Columbus this weekend playing a show at the Comet uh, that was really, really good and really well uh, attended, I think. Um, it, it's a nice interview. We, we talk about um, a lot about music and um, sort of where personal development comes in. and. Our our history, um, our shared history with experimental music and important discoveries. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, It was was really a lot of fun sitting down and talking to Keith. Um, Yeah, stay tuned after the after the interview for uh, some highlights of some really great releases that have come out recently that we are hoping to feature on the tome. So stick around at the end of the track. I'm going to be playing a new single that uh, Giant Claw just released on Helligator Records. Which is the nonprofit record label that I run in conjunction with the Tome. All proceeds go to the Melinda Refugee Camp Library in Swaziland, Africa. Thanks for listening. sitting here with Keith Rankin of Giant Claw, or is who is Giant Claw. Um, and uh, yeah, Keith played a really good show last night. Um, a lot of people turned out and it seemed like uh, the feedback was, was really positive. Um, so that was really cool. So we're just going to kind of do the um, typical format. Not that anything's really been established yet, but um, I, I like to talk about um, experimental music kind of in the um, in the realm of personal development and, and where that where that intersects with your life history, kind of where it, important um, finds and important realizations
2: that you really liked experimental music or like uh, what brought what brought us to this point. Yeah, mean? yeah,
1: so I guess we can we'll, we'll start way back. So you are from Dayton. yeah, you're born and raised uh-huh. Dayton, Ohio.
2: Um so what uh what, what part of Dayton? It's my parents lived like right at the crossroads where uh Dayton and Kettering and Moraine meet. So kind of going south on 75. Yeah. Okay. So it was like close enough to it was close enough to downtown where like we would get homeless people like tapping on our windows at night. <laughs> But it was also uh, like quiet enough, like a bit suburb-y, um to be not really involved with anything like the art scene or anything like that. So,
1: what uh, what brought you into the art scene? Were you involved in the art scene in Dayton?
2: I mean, <laughs> well, what little art scene, right? In right. Dayton. Yeah. Uh, later on, I guess a little bit. Uh, I mean, there's the. There's, like, a one stretch, you know, the Oregon District. Yeah, the Oregon District, which um, is a weird.
1: If, if if you guys haven't been to Dayton, the Oregon District is super cool and super weird. It's, like, like a record store and, like, a used bookstore and a couple of, like, nice restaurants sandwiched between, like, four strip joints. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that Dayton's
2: weird. It's, like, Dayton also has a lot of, like, a lot of gay bars. Really? And like, dance clubs. The Midwest, man. The Midwest is, like, really, really interesting. And there's, I think on Fifth Street, there in the Oregon, there's, like, like two or three exotic fantasies. Uh, the adult videos. There's, like, a video store, a bookstore, and then there's, like, a peep show. Why do you think that is?
1: Do you think it's, like, do you think the demand is there? Or it's just, like, if you build it, they will
2: come? <laughs> uh, that's a good pun. Um... <laughs> I don't know, like, I mean, people obviously have to be... I didn't even get that. Good job, Ryan, that was really funny. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe it's like repressed uh, Midwestern sexuality stuff that, I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't. I, I do not It's hard to hypothesize
1: on why. And I, like I'm, so I, I spend my my Saturdays in Dayton uh, for part of my job, and uh, I kind of get a similar vibe to Cincinnati a, a little bit. Um, Cincinnati's a bit bigger, mm-hmm. um, but still sort of that blue collar, Midwest sort of post industrial. Yeah. Um, you know the the city center for uh, the city center in Dayton is way more of a ghost town than I think Cincinnati ever was.
2: Downtown Cincinnati is more, it feels like more of a city. Yeah. Where Dayton feels like a deserted it does, city. It does, um, it does. And it's got, like, it's really interesting. It's got really wide
1: roads, and, like, um, yeah. you, you can tell that there, at one point, it's probably pretty thriving than
2: yeah, investment I always tell the story, um, when I moved to Columbus, I would say whenever I would, like, go to a restaurant or something in Dayton, I'd feel like the youngest person by, like, 20 years. Yeah. Now, when I go to go to a restaurant in Columbus, I feel like the oldest person by, like, 10 years or something. Yeah, well, there's a totally different demographic. I feel like Columbus is run by, like, OSU students. A little bit. It's a lot of fresh, like, new new development mm-hmm. as far as buildings and as, like, culture, I think. Yeah. So, what, um, so growing up in Dayton,
1: what was your first, um, do you have a distinct memory of, like, your first experience
2: with, like, music? Huh. Like, with music at all? Um. Yeah. I I guess I don't really have a specific memory. Um. I have to, like, meditate and reach (laughs) back for that. Um, I remember, like, I remember going to school And just like being aware of culture Mm. or like like this thing that was almost outside of me or outside of us that uh that like almost didn't have access to or something culture meaning um like the
1: forms that it like through music and like
2: music art just
1: like that stuff was happening in new york or something, or... Well, or... not even...
2: I, I mean, I didn't even have a, This is before I, I even had a concept of, like, where I was sure. in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was more just, like, a... Kind of a vague, abstract idea of... I guess this was even before I had a concept of, like, that people made music and art. Hmm. Like, I guess... I remember hearing, like, a Tool song... And, like, I had just had no concept or no idea that, like, a group of people made this in a room. Or, like, that it was human beings. That, that's <laughs> interesting. It, music does, for,
1: especially as a non-musician, seem almost, like, superhuman. You mm-hmm. know? Um, you. I think we have a tendency to, like... Put musicians on such a pedestal like if you can't create that especially um, stuff that's well well done like tools well done they're good musicians <laughs> yeah. and, and if it's on the radio that is that's a
2: whole other thing it's like millions of people are hearing that yeah I mean this was I was obviously pretty young because to be able to <laughs> not realize that it's human, <laughs> it's human beings, beings. Yeah. but uh, I don't know it was it wasn't like it was thinking it was aliens or something it was just like the sounds are just like in like they're in your own mind yeah and it's almost like they're just existing there and you don't have a concept of like a bunch of you know middle-aged guys like playing guitar right banging it out in a jam session or whatever right yeah
1: you, you are totally you're divorced from the process of actually making music i think it's especially listening to stuff on the radio you know Yeah. It's kind of stripped of, like, any sort of image or anything. And
2: and no one tells you, or no one answers the question, like, what is this? Right, right. (laughs) Like, you have to figure so much, I mean, not just with music, but everything. It's like you... Like, school doesn't prepare you for the way that your life actually works. (laughs) Right. Uh. And and, and some of those
1: really... uh, Important critical thinking skills of yeah. um, looking beyond sort of what is what's presented to you uh-huh. and, and the mechanisms and the, and
2: the levers that are behind that. So I think maybe I maybe I was a late developer, but I think I guess I went through the process of figuring out like what, what is this, right? Like, <laughs> so like what's happening here? B-
1: what did you, was there like an emotional connection to it? Did did you like it? Yeah, it was okay. Uh,
2: it was. Like, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it was, like, I don't know, like, seeing, like, colors or something for the first time. Just It was, like, very... It was still when, when everything in life is just, like, a like brutal, raw experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just, like, a feeling. Um, and it felt, like, incredible. Like, everything I would hear at that age was, like, a holy shit moment. Has that dampened for you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, that specific feeling. Mm-hmm. Because once you've discovered something, it's hard to, you know, reverse and, like, capture that feeling again. But yeah. it, it's changed. Like, it's just a different experience
1: now. And uh, I think it's, in some ways I'm sort of glad that I don't, like, Feel like capital F E E L right. everything uh-huh. you know like like you do like in adolescence and stuff and every song is like the best song <laughs> ever but really I think because you're discovering it you know for the for the first time it's it's fresh and it's new um, and I, I feel like my relationship with music has changed a lot in that I it's it's more I it's more outside of my feelings and my emotions and and more. Um, I, I understand a little bit more the mechanisms right. and 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 the people behind it um, which I think is is sometimes even more like um, endearing in in some ways because you you know you know some of the people who are making this music and you know them as human beings as as very fallible you know like people who are making this really incredible music that seems to and sometimes exist outside of themselves like that person is like responsible for like <laughs> that great piece of art, like, that's amazing.
2: It Yeah, I mean, people take different paths, I think, with music. Um, and most, I think most musicians or most, like, hardcore listeners of music eventually take somewhat of a, like, musicologist route. Hmm. Um, or you just become interested in the thing and all the things surrounding the creation
1: of music. And so it's so a musicologist in, in that you're sort of, like, looking at the culture
2: in which the music was produced? Yeah, it's just, like, an interesting package or an interesting, interesting phenomenon that goes throughout history.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that, because you come to a point where it's almost like I've heard everything. You know, like, not like, oh, everything, but like, I'm familiar enough with enough genres and subgenres that nothing is new and shocking to me um, and so I would like to sort of burrow down into um, so, yeah sort of the uh, non-musical aspects of, of what goes into and what
2: influences that piece of yeah, art or it's, you just you just understand the mechanics right. of music and I, I mean I think music is just it's a field of study or a field of I don't know a field of interest the same that you know, mathematics or history or anything else is. Um, but I feel music is interesting because it's also, it's that, but uh, people also have this connection to it. It's, yeah. It's beyond that. Right. So they feel it's like, it's personally, it might be related to that, the thing we were talking about, the, that like initial intense feeling. Uh, of music so when you get that, it's almost like you take the music into yourself and it's like this is mine you know? yeah
1: you you, pr- you process it um, through your own experience in and, and your own emotions. I, r- I remember thinking like um it, it, a big shock to me was realizing that like these pop ballad deers and stuff like that who like um, like Rod Stewart and stuff uh-huh. like that you know pr- probably didn't like, it, it, it didn't click that, like, you wouldn't be feeling that really strong emotion, like, when you wrote doing. that, or, or when you're performing it, and so I was just like, how, like, how could he, how, how can you write this, like, really, like, stirring breakup song if you were in love, you know, like, would you have to break up with the person in order to, like, <laughs> feel that, like, would you have to, like, totally mess up your life, like, anytime you wanted to, like, create great art, it, like, it didn't, I didn't quite get it that, like, in a lot of ways, um, music is performative and it isn't, it, it doesn't have to be, or it, probably its impetus is, but it, it doesn't always come from, like, this, like, great stirring of emotion that yeah. sort of, like, peters out once you, like, get through your 20s, you know? <laughs> I, it,
2: and also, a lot of music is, like, a replication Um mm-hmm. uh, like replicating emotion, or and, style,
1: or and, and those very uh, distinct cultural um, under like uh, like performances of emotion, uh-huh. um, because they're like I well I don't know actually I don't know if that's true because those things are very universal. So like I'll tell a story. So I was in um, I was in Swaziland for two years in the Peace Corps and the biggest artists over there were like Rod Stewart, Michael Bolton, Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, like though like the over emotion, like the um, just the overblown everything about that is so universal. You know what I mean? Like you don't even have to understand the l- language to understand that this guy is singing about like you know, like somebody he loves or just like that feeling of like sadness or, mm. I don't know, any any powerful emotion I feel like cuts across any sort of cultural
2: barrier. That's interesting. I mean, because I relate that stuff with like, I guess you'd call it westernized culture, um, which I guess most of the world is like under that spell. Yeah. Uh,
1: huh. So maybe, maybe it isn't, maybe it's a little bit more insidious than that. Um, because I, I'm, I'm trying to ref- flip it now because there's a, there's a lot of things, um, in, in, especially like African traditional music uh-huh. that are so lost on Western listeners. Like you're what? like listening. Okay. So like you're listening to like, um, let's say you're like listening to like a, uh, like a, a funeral song or something like that. Like, um, mm. but, but it, it's super upbeat, you know, like it's like in Africa. Yeah. Think? Yeah. So like, like you're listening to like, um. You know something that's that's telling like a what what is like um, a really stirring and emotionally kind of sad story, uh-huh. but it, it, it's done in a way that sort of like we associate like oh uh, up tempo with um, happiness Right. or something like that, and so you're like oh this is like a nice jam like well actually no this is like <laughs> a, like a, a song of mourning
2: for like our ancestors or something uh-huh. like that it's sad, you know. I think I I feel like I read uh, something that was. Yeah, talking about how a lot of cultures don't, like, they don't register uh, what we consider to be, like, sad Mm. music. Yeah. Or, like, they just don't have that uh, in the culture. It's like music is, it's always something to be uplifting in a way, or celebratory, or I I don't
1: know. Well, and also music is a lot more communal um, in, um... in, in, in other countries or I'm, I'm just I can't speak I'm just speaking from my experience uh-huh. um, that music was music had a, a utilitarian function in the community um, it, it people when people got together they sang and it, it was in religious like devotional services um, during funerals and during um, traditional ceremonial mm-hmm. um, uh, like celebrations. And when they, I mean, and when they sang, it wasn't like, oh, like, this sort of, like, very, like, performative, like, okay, we're going to have, like, this go on for, like, 45 minutes, and, you know, this is the songs like, you're going to sing. It would go on for hours and hours and hours, seemingly without any sort of script. You know, like, they get done singing a song, and then all of a sudden, somebody would um, just belt out, like, the um, kind of, like, the first kind of initial melody. And then everybody would just join in,
0: you know. And, and then it just like yeah, yeah.
1: And and then it would just like end. And then somebody else would be like just like belt it out again, and it would begin again. And so, yeah. It, it, and everybody knew the songs. And um, were do you, were they like improvising, or do you? Think no, were, no, no, no. These these were they were just doing so, like traditional songs. These traditional songs that like are 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 maybe like. Kind of how you would describe like your first experience with music—they're just in the air, uh-huh. and, and and you don't know um, you don't know really where they came from, or or, or why you respond the way that you do. Um, it's just it's just there, and um, where I think maybe um, here in and in especially like Western cultures that um, kind of prize isolation or um, kind of this internalized um, yeah. Uh, input of, of art we um we experience something and we're like oh i like that you know we're, we're not going to go out and like it, it, it doesn't sort of, like serve the same purpose as um bringing a community
2: together for um some sort of ceremonial purpose yeah i guess it is it's very like ego <laughs> ego centered i guess I yeah
1: like and, and, and not i don't think necessarily in a in a Bad way, you know. It's just um, how we we I think we intend to ter- internalize, where um, other cultures tend to externalize um, art. And, and this could be totally off base and like totally like culturally, like <laughs> imperialist or whatever. But I I don't know. I'm I'm just reacting to um, really some unformed thoughts and opinions, but it's interesting nonetheless. Um, so you um, are, are is there any specific artist that you
2: remember that you really clicked with? Um, let's see, there was, yeah, I do remember that Tool song, I remember there was, I think after that, uh, I latched on to anything that had, like, rich harmony, I think. Okay. Maybe even not even so rich, because, uh, I remember, like, hearing that Green Day song, um, shit, what was it? When I Come Around. No. Basket Case. Basket Case. Yeah.
1: But yeah, that stuff is
2: super melodic. It's very it's, melodic. Yeah. It, I guess it's not so much rich harmonically, yeah. but it's like a strong, like a strong melodic pole or something. Right. You can't get it out of your head. And what year was that? That was like 1993 or something? Yeah. 92? Yeah. So I was about like eight, I was about like eight years old. How old are you? I'm 30. So, me
1: too. So yeah, probably the same age. I remember hearing that on the radio. And... Yeah.
2: So there was that song that was like... Like I have felt like obsessed with it. It's I great, just wanted to hear it all the time. It's a great
1: baseline. That
2: yeah. Wait, wait, no, it wasn't. What's the one? It's like, do you have that time? Oh, <laughs> is
0: that the same song?
2: No. Maybe I don't know.
1: Maybe I'm thinking of a different <laughs> song. But I mean, off that album, yeah. Dookie. Like it, they're all they all kind of blend together.
2: Um. So there was that one, and then. Uh, uh, there was, like, this band, Ministry. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, um, yeah. And there was this one song, I think Psalm 69, uh, that I think my I had a friend who whose older brother was very into music, and I would, like, dub tapes of his CDs. And... That's the key, is friends with older brothers. Yeah. Who were, like, into,
1: like, 90s industrial music.
2: Yeah, because uh, <laughs> I had an older brother, but he was very into like basketball and and sports and he like collected baseball cards and stuff like that Mm -hmm. uh but yeah it was i anything that had like this kind of melodic or harmonic pull to it i just became obsessed with Mm -hmm. and it was funny because the only way to hear it was like on the radio, or if if you dubbed it yeah. on, on tape from a CD or something, and which I, at first I would just turn the radio on and like pray to hear but these yeah, songs. Isn't that crazy? That's so, so foreign now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like we are definitely the last <laughs> generation who's going to have any connection to like that, the pre-internet the w- way of doing things,
1: the whim of like. The DJ or the, the yeah. whim of like really the record companies for getting the singles to the DJs. And yeah, no, that was um, and then but then you had things like um, like late night FM shows or AM shows, um, like community radio um, that I didn't really discover until I was in high school. Um, like college, like yeah, like, yeah, like college radio stuff. Um, I, remember, I remember there's this one FM sta- station that like after eleven played like. College, what would be like college rock, huh. and I, I would always tune in, um, and I, I happened on it by 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 total fluke, and it was it was like that thing that you were describing, it's just like I don't know like what this is because it's so different, you know, and nobody's telling me what it was or mm-hmm. um, you know sort of selling it to me in some sort of package, just like this is like a, and, and it wasn't anything like too adventurous, it was probably like Yola Tango or Something like that, um, yeah. but being like, what? Like this? Is a, these guitar sounds and the song structure are definitely not like designed to be played on like FM for like mass consumption,
2: right? So, so it's the first idea of like um, some, like underground mm-hmm. culture, yeah. basically. What What was the
1: what was your first experience to guess like underground music? I mean, I guess Ministry, they were, like, on MTV and stuff, I feel like. But, 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 but uh, they, they, were, they were still pretty, like,
2: uh, I mean, that whole industrial music at that time. Was like yeah, that's. it's exciting. funny. I, like, uh, I, I didn't even listen to the Ministry again until, like, two years ago or something. <laughs> yeah. um, but, it, like, I still enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a time and a place. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. I... I definitely, as I grew up, um, even around like 10 years old, I think I was exposed to like some classic rock Mm. and I had, there's this guy who lived down the street from me, like uh, he was a music therapist, Hmm. uh, and he was like an old, like an aging hippie guy. Uh, but he was really smart and, um... Like he wasn't like a burnout stoner type. He was like a very gentle music therapist, hippie type uh, who loved like uh, jazz fusion and like weird prog rock and stuff like that. And I, I started getting guitar lessons from him once a week. I'd like give him $10 <laughs> a week. I think, and he'd give me guitar lessons, and he would just play, like, every time I'd come down, he'd have, like, a, a record playing. So, what What kind of prog rock, like, yes, and... Yeah, like, King Crimson oh, nice. uh, was my favorite, and, um, like, the Mahavishnu Orchestra, okay. they're like a, like a 70s jazz fusion, it's just, like, very quick violin and guitar runs, like, like like very, and it's recorded in like an old analog 70s style, uh, but it's so removed from kind of that era's rock and roll. Uh, It's on, I don't know, that, and there's a drummer, Billy Cobham, who's on that, who was like mind-blowing. So all that stuff. (laughs) Was huge. Like I loved it. Um, So I was going between that and then there was like radio, like radio stuff. I was still really loving like Corn. Oh man, you. uh, (laughs) What's that album that we
1: probably like listened to at the same time? Life is peachy. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was.
2: I was more (laughs) into their first. Okay, first record. Uh, (laughs) But they, I. Uh, yeah that stuff I've listened to some of that recently too and <laughs> I oh, feel does like he's it hold that yeah it's like okay. I really like it um some of the lyrics I don't <laughs> I don't like yeah. they like some of the some of the stylings of his vocals, I guess you'd say like the little ticks and mm-hmm. I guess haven't aged well but a lot of like the bass and rhythm is. Yeah, their basses very amazing. Yeah, it's like, incredible and kind of bizarre. Like, yeah. You can't even believe it was on the radio. Yeah, coming out of this, like, weird sort of, like, distorted funk. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was almost like a precursor to, like, genre-smashing, um, I don't know, like, kind of trans-modernist, like, pulling all these different things yeah, together. And, and it's interesting um,
1: because I, I feel like the the only tools that were at the disposal of people who were doing that was to, like, commodify it even more. Like, instead of, like, throwing up your hands and being like, I don't know what this is. Like, it exists. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, let's, how can we market this? And how can, like, we have a million other bands sound like this? Yeah. So. <laughs> But yeah, no, I uh, I remember that record quite well. I just remember the uh, the creepy cover, like the little kid you know? on the like on the swing set. Yeah, and I, I never really quite got into it because it was like music that my friends like listened to, um, like my like bad skater friends. <laughs> and like I, I came from a very like religious. Um, oh, okay. Uh, we didn't have MTV or anything like that. Um, and so like I, I would like th- that was like my guilty pleasure.
2: That's, that's that's another um, huge thing is um, like the the unknown or the idea of the unknown or like the unattainable mm-hmm. uh, I think that was another element that was like that had a strong pull on me and and corn had that I guess
1: what, why do you why do you think because they're dark and lyrically <laughs> like
2: kind of like they used bad bad words well it was <laughs> I don't know if necessarily corn was like it kind of was. I think my my mom did want me to get it, yeah, because uh, I had parental advisory. Yeah, sticker. yeah, I
0: remember. I
1: remember whereas like
2: whereas I think like the ministry didn't.
1: Yeah, well, like, so, like you I could had, you could get around that by like releasing your stuff like independently.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's probably true actually. it's so, like I remember playing the Ministry the song, Psalm 69, like mm-hmm. showing my mom, like, wow, like, like I had no idea about like the religious like connotation to yeah. the lyrics. It was just like, like, you know, you just want to share you know, what you're hearing. <laughs> How did she react to that? I have no recollection. I think okay. she just kind of blew it off. Okay. But it, that reminds me the other day I was in a, I was in a bookstore and heard this little girl. She was with her mom and she was getting something. I wish I had seen what it was, but she said to her mom, like, mom, do you think it's cool that I like this? <laughs> and it, it, uh, it reminded me of that, like showing my mom ministry, like you on. Going... That's, that's, that's really interesting. <laughs> I, I feel
1: like we, I, I, I feel like uh, we still haven't grown out of that. Yeah. And that's... In, in, in a lot of ways.
2: Like, what does this say about me as a person that I'm right. into this? it's it is like it's really about just like we want to craft our identity. Mm-hmm. I think that comes uh, the the music we're talking we've been talking about I think like that identity shaping comes a little bit after that. At least for me, <laughs> comes a little bit after that in in terms of age. In terms of age. Uh-huh. Like I think mid teens like I started becoming cognizant of I'm collecting all these these things, like all this music and art that I claim to like in order to shape how I come off to other people.
1: Absolutely. Um, I, music has... There, there's no greater, I think, identifier um, as sort of like what music and kind of what musical like subculture mm-hmm. you identify with. Um, yeah, that, I think that has such a big impact on how you wish to be perceived yeah. um, to others. I think for me, it was, it was interesting um, because more than anything, I had a religious identity. Oh. Um, and so I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't um, uh, fit into one subculture because subcultures in and of themselves are opposed to the mainstream. And you just like, that was like, not a value that was like that that wasn't valued in my community. So it's like a constant clashing. Absolutely, but I think I think it was ultimately beneficial because I could sort of be like a polygot. You know, I could kind of like like okay, well I I can listen to punk music. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to be a punk, or like I could listen to this like, you know, like rave like electronic music. It doesn't mean I have to be a raver or something like mm-hmm. that. And so um, because because I felt like in some ways I couldn't, you know, because my religious identity kind of superseded all of that um and so i can just be like dabble into it like oh this is interesting you know without like um saying like oh this defines who i am yeah so i i think ultimately i think that helped out and and sort of like maybe explain sort of my um just really disparate like um uh interests in, in different kinds of music were you into like religious music no no <laughs> no, no. Uh no, I like I think even back then I could see through that. Um it's like this is no different than what's being played on the radio and they're just trying to sell me something just like or like I and it, it, yeah, I felt like it was even like they like there was something with a really strong message. Um either way I sort
2: of it's like trying to like get a Message in through it's like sticking a pill in peanut butter. Or Absolutely, something. yeah. I mean, it's just like you know the famous like you can just replace
1: Jesus with baby and you've got like a <laughs> like a Christian pop song or something like that. Yeah. No, I, I I never I never got into that, and, and nor was that ever like really like I think pushed upon me. Um So
2: your were your parents? They weren't trying to be like
1: check this
0: uh, Yeah, I, rock yeah, I I, yeah
1: I, they would. You know, like every once in a while. But I had I had some. Um, some sense of autonomy or, or, or some level of autonomy um, into what I uh, into the music that uh, I listen to I mean and, and there's a lot going on below the surface that they didn't know about uh-huh. you know um, yes. yeah <laughs> like I had a whole stash of like CDs that I like uh, I, uh, <laughs> hid and, and, and one time um, they, my mom found it and it was like um, it was minor threat um, and uh And she was, like, reading the lyrics. Like, she, like, read them out loud to me. And I'm, like... (laughs) But, like, and I couldn't... I I didn't have the tools to explain, like, no, Mom, like, this is, like, really, like, positive. Like, you know, it's, like... You know, it's, like, actually, like, really, like, uh... You know, like, really, like, affirming. You know, I'd much rather be, like, uh... You know, wouldn't you rather... Like, this is talking about, like, not doing drugs and, like, you know, sticking up for yourself and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, what what would you rather have me, like, listen? and, 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 And that just didn't click, you know, like, no, but it's, they're using bad language
2: and it's really loud and abrasive. And so. Even that seems like a quaint kind of idea of yeah. like music being something that's like powerful enough to like corrupt right. someone's mind. Yeah. And it, I, I feel like, I feel like a
1: lot of people, especially like back then, you know, um, that was. Uh, that was definitely like in the air. You know, you had like the West Memphis Three and, and, and stuff like that, you know, and, and the, um, especially in the 90s, like the great Satanist, like cold scare um, that was, uh, <laughs> that having, that scapegoated like heavy metal music um, or anything that was dark or something like that.
2: Yeah, um, I honestly think that, I think that was in part like the parents being scared of that corruption through music or something. Mm-hmm. I think was tied to music being so closely tied to people's identities, Yeah. which I think now it's like it's it's become tamer now, as far as people like using like a specific subculture to like put their identity through entirely. Absolutely, and th-
1: there isn't this um, there, there's not like this like chicken or egg. You know, like what came first yeah. type thing. I, I feel like most of the time, um, somebody has their identity sort of figured out or figuring it out, mm-hmm. and music is just um, a way to sort of amplify amplify that or um, externalize some of these like um, internal. If 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 it is like angst or something like that,
2: or like your, your cult, like where you're coming from culturally. You know? But wouldn't you say that, like, because of that, it's almost like this kind of social power of music has died down a bit. It's not as it's almost like, uh, like, people are using music more as like fashion, like clothing fashion, as in it's like very in and out. I'm not saying it's a negative thing. It's yeah. just like the nature of how. Uh, we're identifying with music, is becoming more rapid. It's becoming a bit uh, less, like, committal or something. And, and do you think that is maybe
1: a response to um, just the sheer availability of it? Yeah, it's um, that's a big part of it. You know, it, yeah, you don't necessarily have to commit. And I think the breakdown of genres, um, ha, I think, maybe has to
2: do something with that. Yeah, it's like the the sheer availability has uh, taken away some of the mysticism, <laughs> or I don't know what to call it, but some of the allure of, you know, like the grass is greener thing. Uh, when something's harder to attain, it takes on like a certain glow. Absolutely. And, and I, that glow's pretty much
1: gone. And I think going back to your point, it does, in that way, it does sort of take away the social power. Mm-hmm. Um because if you're if, if you're identifying something solely as like a commodity um, then that then it's just another kind of unit in, in a marketplace rather than like some sort of self-identifying maybe yeah because you don't have to go all in because I, I do some sort of like some forms of like musical like therapy I, I mean I, I guess oh, really? it would be um, I, I ran like a therapeutic writing class it was like a therapeutic rap class Um and really, which was just me to, sort of like providing with them with the tools and like totally getting out of the way. What well, like what kind of tools? Just to just like the structured. Yeah, the, an, an actual set aside time where it's like, okay, oh, yeah. you know, I'm I, I'm gonna like, and I try to expose them to some other things that maybe they weren't aware of. Um, but like, like you can use writing um, w- completely value neutral. Like I'm I'm not gonna say what you have to write about, what you can't write about, but um, and, and there's no like qualitative like judgment attached to it, just that t- taking that time just to write and use it as, as a venting session or as a way to express yourself. Mm-hmm. And then we partnered with a, a local um, like nonprofit studio here, and they recorded.
2: Oh
0: wow!
1: Yeah, and they
2: like made beats. And yeah, yeah, it was,
1: it was really fun. It was it was really really fun. And then uh, I I work with this one client where we use um, I use music to uh, help him identify emotions. Um, so. I'll, I'll play stuff that he hasn't heard before um, from, to- like, so many different, like, genres. Um, and we've gotten... And, and so what we do is, you know, um, I say, you know, we, we explore... As a teenager, it's really hard to, like, um, kind of identify what you're feeling mm-hmm. um, without using, like, cliché, like, oh, this is happy or sad or whatever. And so uh, what, what it started with, I'm like, okay, you have to describe how this makes you feel without using, like, happy or sad or whatever. And so, it, 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 you know... Pretty pretty soon you you exhaust your very limited um, amount of adjectives and then what he started doing is saying like okay well you know this kind of like this this sort of reminds me of a time in my life when this happened Um, you know not necessarily because he's never heard the song before so he can't tie that necessarily to like uh, a a time or a place but he's like but this sort of feeling you know kind of brings back memories of. You know something that happened to me here or, or like you know like good and bad and so we um, we use that as sort of a, a jumping off point um, to uh, to explore you know uh, uh, explore accessing and identifying emotions and then how to sort of like regulate those when they kind of w- w- when they kind of run your life or, 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 or
2: run your thoughts or run how you act was there a specific like were you playing songs that had specific like harmonic content? Yeah, so like, I would I would go like,
1: I, I like I remember this one, um, the one that he really responded to. <laughs> so like I would play playing a uh, like a Converge song, and he's just like <laughs> <laughs> like next. <laughs> I'm like okay, and then I played a uh, Arvo Part, um, uh, for Alina. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> and it's it just like that's that, it's just uh, such a beautiful song, and uh-huh. it's just so simple, you know, just like the three note progression yeah and he was like this is like he was like transfixed like this is <laughs> that's
0: great and and
1: so then i, I how, can't I, how old is he oh, he's like 15 okay and then we use that a lot because um he has really severe adhd um it's and like so calming. yeah so th- 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 there needs to be like a lot of like stimulation you know otherwise like if we couldn't just like talk you know what i mean because like it's just like so he wasn't
2: registering that is like
1: sad no it was more like a comment it was it was just like this is like and and i can't even remember like what he talked about that sort of like reminding him of but i just remember like him like perking up and being like well, yeah you know
2: it's, it's an amazing it piece. is it is i would go to i would go to sleep to that piece like A lot, yeah. Uh, When I was a teenager, too. Actually, (laughs) yeah,
1: it it, and it's it's kind of weird because he's he's sixteen actually, and I was probably seventeen when I first heard that, Uh and just completely like blowing me away. Yeah. So yeah, so I I think music um kind of ripped outside of its cultural trappings. I I think there. I I think we can get down to um, certain elements. of it that could cross could cut across any sort of cultural barrier, um, hmm. and 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 not and and not necessarily putting any sort of like qualitative thing like oh this is like happy or sad or, or anything like that but like this is like I don't, I, I don't know like this affects me and and whatever whatever however you express that is is equally valid but it does something and and. And I think uh, a big part of um, either playing music or
2: writing about music or
1: digesting music is trying to figure out what that does to you.
2: But, so do you think you could send like a piece of music, say that uh, the Furlina piece, like 200 years into the future, hmm. and like <laughs> be like what kind of reaction... They have. Yeah, th- th- that's a good that's a good question.
1: Um, I mean, I, I just for like this thought experiment, I would say yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I I have no idea, but I would say just just to support my yeah theory, yes, <laughs> yes, because I've
2: just wondered, like I've thought about before, if like the impact of harmony itself will someday in, like, the distant future just go away? (laughs) Hmm. Or if, um... What what, what makes you think that? Um... (laughs) I guess because, for instance, I think it's most clear with minor minor key music. um, I think the perception of minor key music has shifted, even if slightly, over the last maybe, like, 100 years or so um, to where if we hear like a very like stringent minor key piece at least for me uh, a piece that might have made me feel some strong emotion or like like you know the typical forlorn like sad yeah minor key emotion um, like that has become it's like now it's it's cheesy like corny Um, and it's almost like uh, I almost just think one I wonder if that like transition will at some point be applied to like all harmony itself Um, so for instance like I'll use in my own music I'll use very uh, strong like minor key stuff sometimes but it's almost like I do it consciously, uh, almost like referencing a, a past era where like this meant something else. Interesting. So you're not necessarily.
1: Um, do you feel like when when you're writing that that you are like operating in that minor key, or is it always sort of like a sort of a, like a meta reference to like a, another type of music?
2: Yeah, for specific for sp- specific like harmonic certain harmonies and. Uh, combinations it's i usually use them now as like a reference okay uh it's like i'm not playing these chord changes and getting like pumped up like right or, or, or sad <laughs> or sad yeah. like holy shit like, <laughs> i'm crying on like the keyboards like it's uh i guess it's a more conscious like reaching back uh. and and so in in reference to your music i that that's actually been
1: written a, a lot about. I feel like a, about your music uh-huh. is sort of it's um, it's it's reference of um, a lot of different elements and, and especially like um, uh, kind of like relatively new like kind of like micro genres that you know you um, kind of absorb and then recontextualize in, in your music. Um, how how much of that is Um, you sort of playing in that mode um, and and how much of that is um, like like you talked about sort of like
2: just using that as reference Um, yeah I think a lot of it is it's partially just trying something Uh, I guess not being afraid to just like I'm hearing something and I'm going to, I'm going to replicate it. (laughs) just Because I want to. Yeah. Uh, And because like, I feel it if, I feel like if I didn't like, if it didn't have some sort of connection, um, at least for now uh, to this, to a certain micro genre, a certain style of music, I probably wouldn't, Use it. Or okay. Try to reference it, but so, I, so
1: there is some element that you're like, I like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, uh, that that speaks to me. But it's interesting con- to consider that maybe that will change at some point. Like change for you? Yeah. Like if okay. I, I don't know. I've I've been thinking about that. Like if, like, how can you take something that maybe you don't have a connection with on like a uh, like a gut level and using it in some way that you find interesting or something. So are
1: are you, you, do you think that's inevitability or, or, or something that that you'd like to experiment with?
2: Yeah. Maybe it's just something I'd like to try out. What
1: what would, what would something like that be? What would be a, uh, like a micro genre or or something that you don't necessarily have a
2: connection with that you, you could
1: possibly foresee yourself utilizing?
2: Well, for instance, when I was driving here uh, to play the show, me and my girlfriend were listening. I was just like flipping through radio stations and, we were listening to like a bluegrass channel, and mm-hmm. uh, and there was like a religious channel, um, and I was just thinking like, it's like I don't dislike this the bluegrass music, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't it doesn't stir it doesn't inspire me I guess, uh, and I was thinking well how could I use something like that. <laughs> In, in some sort of way that, like, interested me. And, I mean, maybe, like, you
1: could utilize, like, the, um, not necessarily, like, the style, but, like, the, um, the kind of the elements that, that make it up. Because, like, bluegrass is, like, really fast picking and, and stuff like that, like, yeah. arpeggios and stuff like that. Which wouldn't I don't think fall too far out of the
2: realm of what you do, you know? I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> like the fast banjo arpeggios. Yeah, or like, yeah, you know, you. Do. But I don't know. That's a that's a
1: side tangent.
2: Uh, uh,
0: no,
1: but, uh, that's <laughs> interesting, but I think I think that does speak to um, maybe the or does that speak to the intention of Giant Claw um, beyond I guess the innate need to create um music um is is giant claw um maybe speaking outside of keith is 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 giant claw um cognizant and uh and self-aware that this is uh this is kind of what you're doing
2: yeah i think i think to put it like if to put it kind of simply (laughs) or to like package it more simple than that (laughs) because that was pretty, that was pretty, that was pretty clear. I think like there's, there's a part of me that, um, that has experience that's like pre internet Mm -hmm. and then post internet. Okay. Um, and obviously that like, that's what I mean when I say it simply because it's not that cut and dry, but for just for the sake of explaining it, uh, you could think of it like that. Hmm. Um. So it's like, I feel like when I make music or when I hear music, there's like part of me that has this connection reaching back to like a sense of rich harmony and like arrangement and composition, um, that a lot of people explain like, like a gut feeling or a gut connection to music. So I feel that on one hand Mm -hmm. and like I'll employ that a lot. Um... And to a certain extent, it's still, like, when I hear it, it still excites me. Mm-hmm. When I hear, like, uh, a really good arrangement or, like, an interesting uh, chord progression or something, it's, like, part of me is still excited by that. Yeah. Um, but then there's another part of me that finds that, like, useless or, like, or, or doesn't doesn't like the idea of it, maybe. Um and so, I guess the other part is wanting to do something more, like, conceptual, maybe. Or, like, using those musical elements as, like, building blocks um, to make something, something else. Got it. That's not just this collection of musical tools or musical arrangements um, that's something else <laughs> i don't know that, that, that's interesting i mean
1: it it's kind of speaks to giant claw i guess being you know greater than the sum of its parts um the the actual form of it being um more i don't know maybe existing in that tension between um uh gen you know using or performing music or, or playing music that you mm-hmm. generally feel connected to um Kind of up against um, Giant Claw as maybe a conceptual art piece.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, I guess
2: that that would be a good way to frame
1: it. Like. Okay. <laughs> and uh, specifically, I mean, so if, if somebody hasn't heard your music uh-huh. or isn't um, necessarily familiar with uh, some of these microgenres that we may be talking about,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what are what are some of the microgenres that you
2: that you employ? Well, um, the 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 last record Mm -hmm. that I did called Dark Web. Um, That one, I think, started with, like, 90s R&B was kind of the jumping off point. Mm -hmm. Uh, From, like, a musical, pure musical standpoint, I guess. I was listening to a lot of that, like, Genuine and, like, R. Kelly and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I downloaded this huge database of acapellas and so what i would do i would take an acapella sometimes i would i wouldn't even want to know which one it was like i would just go into this huge folder of uh, mp3s or just like take one at random and drag it into my uh, recording program
0: <clears throat>
2: and then i just start uh randomly chopping it up like, i just use, like, the scissor tool in the mm-hmm. program and just cut, make cuts um, and make these, like, tiny, tiny little clips of uh, the, the vocals. And then I'd start arranging them. Um, like, a lot of the times I wouldn't even listen to anything uh, during the process. Uh, so I'd make the cuts and I'd start arranging them into long lines of cut up vocals. And then I'd finally listen. And sometimes it'd be like, holy crap. Like there's this like, (laughs) no, no change. This is like, yeah. Like this, or at least like a part of it would be Mm -hmm. like, this is like amazing. Like there's this new uh, vocal line. Yeah. Um, And so I'd say like, Oh, I think all of the songs on that record, like have that process at, at the core mm-hmm. um, and so initially i took those uh cut up vocals and kind of just put rhythm to them okay like a really minimal i was also really into like the mike will made it kind of mm-hmm. like deep 808 hit stuff um at the time so i wanted to do some of that uh like incorporate kind of a reference to that kind of thing mm-hmm. And, like, I also loved the, like, trap music hi-hat, which is, like, now all over the place. Yeah. Like, you hear that all the time. And I think it's interesting, like, just as to, like, a fast staccato, almost, like, manic, uh, manic element that, like, the hi-hat has previously just been something to, like, keep the tempo, like, in the background. And now it's just, like, frantic. Isolated and, like, yeah. Like, uh, (laughs) So I thought that was like amazing. And, uh-huh. uh, so I wanted to use that. So at first like the record was really just like a few very simple elements. Um, and around that time I started thinking about it like, like, like it worked for me as a piece of composition. Um, but it also was starting to work as like a, almost like a collage piece um using these like different time periods as like an extra musical reference point hmm. um, and so i i made the decision to like kind of try to push that further um, so at that point i i got my hands on a bunch of these things called sound fonts mm-hmm. which are like uh, they're like type fonts but with sound um hmm. So, for instance, I downloaded, uh, like, a bunch of old PlayStation video game sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I don't know how familiar you are with MIDI. It's, like, basically it's just computer notation. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you can play, like, you can play a piano line or something, or on a keyboard, and you have the notation in the program. And then you can just click through different sounds. Uh, And so the same line will be there, but you'll just be applying different sounds as if you're clicking through different text fonts. Um, So again, I would do that. Like I would, on top of this drum, percussion, and vocal stuff, I would write like harmonies and melodies on top of it, like kind of weaving in and out of it. and then I would kind of just click through and, like, without even listening to it, like, arrive at a, a sound. Uh, a lot of it was, like, the game Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of sounds from that game on it. Uh, so, so that kind of r- retained a sort of,
1: like, almost random, aleatoric...
2: Yeah, a little bit. Um, sometimes I would arrive on something was like, no. Yeah. And then kind of cheat a little bit there yeah but, um, and so that I guess a lot of that reference point was both the idea of like rich almost classical harmony um, in just the composition of it because um, I would try to I would try to notate it not playing on the keyboard but actual actually like notating it um, in MIDI But it's the same concept as if you, you know, like, treble clef, bass clef, Mm -hmm. that kind of notation. So I wanted the, I wanted, like, the harmonic stuff to follow certain rules, like, of classical notation, basically. Um, I mean, obviously, sometimes it broke, but, like, you know, never, don't move in parallel fifths. Okay. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. These kind of stringent rules from, like, a bygone era. <laughs> uh, so a lot of times I was, like, applying those. And then with the sounds I was using, it was kind of a callback to, like, 90s video game, like, Japanese RPG stuff, which I was also totally obsessed with yeah. uh, when I was that age. And uh, it was, like, a huge part of my life,
1: too, so interesting so kind of what you're describing it is sort of that um uh that, that combination of um playing in in certain modes and scales because it speaks to you um mixed with sort of that high conceptualization of um of like intentional
2: like this is what i'm, is what I'm yeah to. and i also think about it as if if I hadn't consciously made the decision, like I want to follow these harmonic rules, I probably would have played a lot of the chords and stuff just on a keyboard. Mm. Um, So I think thinking about it as if I'm going to like recall this or reference this a different time period consciously, I think changed the like fabric of how it was made a bit. Yeah. Um, and I think you can tell on that record, because on my other records, I don't usually do that, like notating that stringently. Mm-hmm. But I think in the harmonic stuff on that record, you can kind of tell. Uh, there's just something, there's just a different sounds when notes are spaced out in a certain way. They're not just like block chords moving along a keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that made me want to keep, <laughs> keep doing that more because I like, I like that effect. Well, that's awesome.
1: Um, so, Dark Wave came out last year. Um, yeah.
2: Maybe we can talk a little bit about Orange Milk. When did you start Orange Milk? That was me and my friend Seth, Seth mm-hmm. Graham. Um, we started that, I think, like 2010. Okay. Um, I think we were both. We were both, like, had come off of a break of making music mm-hmm. um, and for me the music I was making prior to 2010 was very uh, composed and uh, it was almost like prog rock mm-hmm. kind of stuff Okay, um, or I was into like Tomita okay. and like switched on Bach yeah. and that sort of thing and I know I was just talking about uh, like classical composition, but uh, the stuff I was interested in then was more total. Okay. It was like like I want to do these tight uh, compositions that like flow and have uh, make sense uh, within the rules of composition. Whatever. Uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after years of like trying to achieve that, it was just, it became like, like smothering, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need to break free of this. Like mm-hmm. I need to basically learn to make music using improvisation mm-hmm. as like a part of it. Okay. As like part of the process. Um, and so I made a record called Midnight Murder and then Seth also had a record, I think. And we started Orange Milk partly, like, just to put those out. Yeah. Um, and who, who does Seth record under? At the time, he was he was going under the name Quilt. Okay. Then he changed his name to Henry Dawson. Okay. And now he's under his own name, okay. Seth Graham. Okay. So he's gone through a few different name changes. Um. So yeah, I think that was the start of it, and it was also just like, I don't know. It's when you have friends, I think it's easier to like maintain that friendship when there's like a a common binding factor sure, or like yeah. something to like work at. Yeah. At least for me, that's it's like I don't really want to hang out just to like shoot the shit. Yeah. Like yeah. I like to be collaborating on something, and so sense. the label, I think was, like, an excuse to just, like, be in collaboration and kind of hang out and talk. Like, and we still do, like, talk all the time about mm-hmm. the label, and it's, like, fun just to have, that, like, that shared something, you know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah
1: I, I feel similar as well. And so, um, what uh what have been some pretty notable releases that you guys have put out? Uh, like, recently
2: or just overall? Maybe, like, you couple favorites well um let's see i i really have a like fondness for the food man oh nice uh, stuff we put out because i feel like we found him just randomly on soundcloud oh wow and like he had no releases (laughs) um and he was kind of tagged as being like a japanese footwork artist uh but he had a lot of stuff that was just bizarre and not really, not really what you would consider footwork at all. And uh, we just asked him, like, to do a tape, and he did. And I think since then, uh, he's like that. It was like that release kind of like kickstarted his whole musical path or mm-hmm. something, or not his whole musical path, but he's gone on to do a lot of tapes and yeah. like a lot of stuff. Yeah. And maybe we could talk a little bit
1: about, um, Japan. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't see, like, it, it seems like you have a pretty sizable following over there.
2: Well, I, that's, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Sizable. And like, <laughs> I,
1: it's funny. I always talk to my, uh, I always talk to my wife about this stuff and I'm like, Oh, like so-and-so like, yeah, they're um, like, they're like, they've got a pretty sizable following or something like that. And
2: then she, like, looks at me. She's like, I'm like, in certain circles. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to, to, I often wonder, like, what is, like, what is the reach right. of the stuff? Or, like, what is the reach? I read that, who was it? Robin Thick, like, I just saw something on Facebook where it was, like, he only sold, like, 500 to 1,000 copies of his record, like, in Australia or something. Yeah. It's was like that's insane how's that even possible <laughs> um so I often wonder like what what is like the relative reach of like mainstream music versus yeah because that song was like so ubiquitous yeah I mean what's like a what's a platinum record like how many copies is that I don't know like a gold like is it like some like hundred million or that seems like uh, I don't know a million I mean I'm happy if I sell like Five hundred, yeah, copies. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, still, that's that's pretty, that's pretty good. But yeah, um, most people don't do
1: runs over like a hundred or fifty, <laughs> yeah. you know. So five hundred's yeah. not bad. That's
2: not bad. I <laughs> but I guess, yeah. I mean, I just get a vibe that the, the Japanese uh, underground music enthusiasts are. Mm-hmm are more receptive of it. To and actually, it, um, this morning, I got a, um,
1: some guy posted on my Helligator Records page, um, uh, this German blog, huh. just wrote up your um, your single. Oh. And really? I, I haven't done any press for it at all, so that's, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, people just, find yeah,
2: stuff. Yeah. And it's, I think it's it's interesting when, to me, it's like I'm familiar with kind of the, the circle of, music fans that like buy tapes and Mm -hmm. enjoy this like small scene but when like the music from orange milk or my own music or other people i know when their music like butts up against like a another cultural pocket I i feel like that's interesting yeah, that, that is and,
1: and it kind of makes you wonder like what is it about not only about my music but about like that like the the, the like the culture that accepts it you know like what yeah. like what what are the what are the like um the commonalities um and i mean you, you could endlessly speculate um but yeah who knows um you know why did you why did David Hasselhoff become, like, the voice of, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, post-war
2: oh, German... Was, like, huge in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Or they... Someone... I think it was Jerry Paper. Uh, he just recently toured in Japan and said... Or wait, no, it was, Maybe it wasn't him. Somebody who was in Japan. I feel like people would go nuts in Japan for Jerry Paper. I think they really like him, yeah. too. Um, but someone told me that... No, it wasn't him who told me this. It was a friend who had just... Who had been to japan uh he said that like over there like led zeppelin is not huge it's like deep purple <laughs> like they love deep purple <laughs> that's so weird like what um what makes it over
1: there i have to tell. i'd say this so in swaziland um you know like none of that stuff like made it over there at all except um there, I saw a bus like a bus station uh-huh. Um, just these concrete like blocks basically that you wait for when you get the bus and I saw corn like graffitied <laughs> oh like with God. the backwards uh, like the backwards R holy shit and it's like it'd probably been there for like ages you know and I was just like no way like that's corn made it corn made it all the way to Swaziland um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah well it's but uh, I think this is probably like a good place to to stop it. Right. Um, this has been a really fascinating conversation. I really, uh, really had a good time. And I appreciate you um, coming and yeah, chatting, totally. and putting out the single on Helligator and playing last night. Well, uh, so we've been talking to Keith Rankin. Um, am I saying that right, Rankin? Yeah. Uh, of uh, Giant Claw. Um, yeah, you can check out his new single on Helligator Records and um, Deep Web's the last thing you put out, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, and then uh the, yeah deep dark web. Dark web. Sorry, <laughs> it's, it's I'm like, okay. It's been it's been an hour. Like, yeah, dark web out on Orange Milk Records. Only Path by EUS, Postdrome, and Saad. That's S, three A's with a little umulat thing and a D. It's a collaboration of three uh, ambient drone artists uh, from Costa Rica, the UK, and France respectively out on Russia's Grain of Sand label. from the excellent Portuguese label a giant fern we just did a big giant fern uh, write up a a few weeks ago but this one is really really nice Um, beautiful guitar textures and uh, pretty much just a 28 minute long uh, track By pines uh, I don't really know much about this artist um, the album is called the field journal and it's out on time release sound which is usually a really good bet for really amazing music um, but yeah here it is it's really nice um out on a floor tape, uh, out on floor tapes, sorry. The, the album is called Signed Noisemaker. I really love this tape. Really varied instrumentals. It's really, really beautiful stuff. Crown by San Het, Sanit, S-A-N-N-H-E-T, out on the Flenser. Um, another really, really amazing release by the Flenser. Instrumental uh, metal that kind of bleeds into all subgenres uh, in, in heavy music. It's really, really amazing album. I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop.